0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of XY. On this week's episode, we will be catching up with the amazing, awesome, super talented and very successful Joe Wellstead who in addition to being the CEO of Motion Nutrition, who are doing some really cool stuff in the supplement space, I don't even know if he would call himself a supplement brand, to be honest. But in addition to being the CEO of Motion Nutrition, he's also a partner in NoJack Media and a Commonwealth Games finalist in swimming. Um, And as it comes um, out in the wash of this interview, uh, it transpires that he's also the founder of the Anti-Hustle Hustle Hustle Club, which is a really cool movement, which I won't say too much about just now, because we talk about it a lot in the interview. Um, But it's a really cool initiative. Looking at the way we have a relationship with work. We chat about a lot of different stuff. We're both expecting fathers um, at similar times in our partners' pregnancies. So we get into that a little bit. And yeah, I have to say I came off of the I came off of the Zoom with Joe um, really liking him as a person. So I hope you enjoy listening to our chat as much as I enjoyed um, having it in the first place. Enjoy. Okay, cool. We are recording. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I can see you've got um you've got some sound dampening gear behind you. That's handy.
1: Well, I haven't completed my setup yet, um, but I'm alone here, so hopefully it'll be pretty quiet.
0: <laughs> ah, cool. Are you? Um, to be honest, I've had to do all of these interviews um via Zoom since um Miss Rona came to town, so uh, I've yeah. kind of chucked the the necessity for amazing audio quality and exchange that for a casual, lighthearted conversation. But that's where we are. How's everything going for you? Yeah, good. Um, Apologies about cancelling our previous um time slot. Just was a bit of a stressful day. And to be honest, the interview was the last thing that came to mind. I completely forgot that. Um, oh, I, I, I get it I entirely. Had it. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy ride. To be honest, I didn't know that you were expecting as well. So that'll be cool to chat about on the show, actually, just because... Um, yeah. um for me things have kind of just changed a lot mentally since that you find out you're going to be a dad and I don't know what um what your your guys decision was but we actually found out we're going to be having a daughter um at the 20 week scan which was just so mind blowing because it yeah i didn't really think that the gender of the baby would um like do anything you know but actually it kind of made it much more tangible than um yeah, yeah. Than we did the gone. same
1: we we wanted to fi- find out and we found out we've got a boy coming
0: Oh, congrats! Man. Same,
1: thanks. It was the same. Like it's not so much you know the fact of boy or girl. It's just like whoa, that's real now.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that is it. Like it just kind of just cemented it as like okay, this is like a tangible thing. Um. So yeah, where's the where's the accent from, man? I feel like I can hear some Scottish in there. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So I I was born in Inverness actually, but
1: my my father's from Edinburgh. Ah, oh, cool. Uh, but my mum's from the US and I grew up in France.
0: And then oh, I right. moved
1: to I moved to Sterling to study and swim there when I was 19. And that's where so my wife was at Glasgow Uni. And so we might have crossed paths over those years because I spent a lot of time.
0: Oh, cool, uh, I think
1: I think with a similar bunch to 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 you. So no it's way. possible. It's possible that we've met before.
0: Yeah. It's a small world, isn't it? It's really funny. Anyway, like I um Let's we're we're getting into it, which is always a good thing. But um let's go back to the start. So do you want to introduce yourself, just say kind of like who you are and what it is you do?
1: Sure, sure. My name is Joe Wellstead. I'm an entrepreneur. I run a supplement company called Motion Nutrition, where we help people deal with stress, sleep, and energy. And I am also getting involved with a few other things. Uh very specifically to this topic, actually, uh, or related to this topic, um, recently started working on another project called the Anti-Hustle Hustle Club, which is all about um, the ability to create great things and talking to people and creating a community of people that are creating great things without sacrificing their entire life. I think that's so important because there's this there's been this vibe with, in entrepreneurship where it's like, it has to be 24-7, 365 a year. And I think that that's causing a lot of damage to young entrepreneurs and also actually also pushing a lot of people away from it who would be, you know, who have ideas,
0: but who are thinking, man, I can't do this because like, it's too scary. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know what? Like you've kind of the anti-hustle hustle club is something I didn't know that you were associated with, but I've come across it on Instagram and I was like, fucking yes, this is so like dead on with how I feel because in various incarnations of side projects and side hustles and stuff that I've had on the go, my wife's always been like you know you can just enjoy doing this the podcast being one of them you know I was kind of like well it's not if it's not going to be a billion like kind of series f like I'm going to sell it out to Amazon like what's the point like and you kind of get sucked in by that startup world of like venture capital and private equity and it's Silicon Valley and if you're not getting like these big bucks and it's not 100% of your life then you are kind of coming up short you're not dedicated to it you know you're not trying hard enough and it's been a huge realization over the last um 18 months, two years for me of actually realizing what it is in work that makes me happy, but also realizing that it's okay to not give a hundred percent to your job. you can mm-hmm. feel validated by the relationships in your life rather than the money yep. that you make or the fucking huge empire that you build. Um, but with the anti-hustle club, the anti-hustle hustle club specifically, How did that start? Because clearly there's a few people in the world, myself included, who align with its thinking. But what kind of what was the catalyst for you starting that?
1: Uh, It's an idea I had in the back of my mind for a while. And uh, around the sort of end of last year, end of 2020, I just sat down with a friend of mine who's a graphic designer. And I wanted to just create something like just just get something together that was like tangible and then just kind of see where that led me and who would latch on to the idea. And then that's kind of how I found out. I knew that there was a bit of a sort of quiet undercurrent for, like, we've had enough of this hustle culture, but nobody mm-hmm. was really talking about it yet. And over the last six months, like, people have started really voicing this opinion. And I think that partly it's in response to, you know, in the pandemic, when the, when it first started last March, um, those first few months, there was this massive outpour of, like, Oh, if you're not, you know, the last two months of, of um of lockdown, if you haven't lear- learned like a third language or or written a book or started a fifth business, like what have you been doing, man? There's no <laughs> excuse. Now's the time. And it's like, fuck off. Yeah. I'm gonna enjoy my life, you know, regardless yeah. of lockdown or not. Like there's more to it than just producing work and just doing output. And and that's kind of like the 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 thing that got me started with it. And then yeah, it just happens that. A lot of people are feeling quite strongly about it, and I think for me, the the, the main thing is anti hustle hustle club. So it's not just like slacking off and not doing anything. Yeah. It's you know I, I I would definitely say that people say that I hustle like because I work very hard and I and I I do a lot of things. But so that's the hustle club part. But the anti hustle part is there's more to me than than just that. You know, there's yeah. there's my home life, there's my personal life, my family life. There's the the sports activities that I enjoy doing. Uh, there's lots to me than, than just work. So yeah. it's, not, it's not all-encompassing. And, and also something I realized is, you know, a lot of founders, and it's, it tends to be like the founder bros will say things like, you know, it has to be 24-7, 365, or else you're not doing as much as you can. And I'm like, that's a privilege. That's not a prerequisite of success. That's a privilege. You, you are mm-hmm. able to give it your all fantastic mm-hmm. good for you that means that you started with a head start compared to everybody else but if you think that's the only way to success then i'd suggest you go speak to more diverse founders who perhaps have kids to look after or parents to look after or they have to maintain a stable job because they've got dependents and rent to pay and things like this and they don't have a big pile of cash to give them financial security mm-hmm. so it's important to realize that it's a privilege not a prerequisite of success yeah and you know I'll I'll just before I forget before I forget because yeah go for it, know, go for it. you were talking about like you know Series F and raising money and things like this the other thing that I realized there is what investors are attracted to the most is FOMO and if you're just if you're having a bit of fun but also are successful and you're you know kind of quietly going about your thing but clearly are are successful but without it without being you know too like involved in the hustle culture just doing your own thing and and being successful in the industry then that's going to attract a lot of people yeah that's the vibe that's that's like really really attractive
0: yeah and actually it's funny you say that because um I was about to make the exact same point that or like a similar point at least that one of my favorite books I've ever read is by Adam Grant the organizational psychologist Uh, he wrote this book called The Originals I don't know if you've if you've read it No, but sounds good. 100% pick it up. So it kind of um, dispels so many myths about startup culture and this kind of belief that um, the world's most successful entrepreneurs are risk takers and they're pioneers and they're kind of going into new territory blind and um, they're almost psychopathic in their kind of tendencies to be like really aggressive with their decision making. He's like, that's just not the case. If you look at people like Bill Gates um, or Mark Zuckerberg, look at Mark Zuckerberg, the, the privilege thing comes into play there he always gets spoken about as a dropout. The bit that gets left off of that is from Harvard. So like, if if Facebook didn't work, (laughs) he was still a Harvard graduate with probably quite promising career prospects. The guys that founded Warby Parker stayed in full-time employment for, I think, two years after the company Mm -hmm. had successfully been trading. And he kind of breaks down this idea that you've got to be this hustler. In actual fact, some of the the most successful people in, in the industry have been very cautious and very... Tentative at, at making that jump into full time hustler, um, or mm-hmm. or however kind of history decides to remember them. Um, it's super interesting, man, and I think that that's the, the anti hustle hustle club. Uh, like, the, I didn't intend to speak to you about that. I didn't know that that you were anything to do with that. I just kind of found it online and really related to it. But that's really cool that you're um you're behind that. I guess the the main thing I wanted to chat to you about was motion because supplements are one of those things that um I guess like speaking personally I guess at at an industry level and at a societal level they're relatively contentious but then at a personal level I've got like a super mixed relationship with them where sometimes I've found them to be really um like they've pushed me forward in a good way and then other times I felt like supplements are the kind of thing that like oh if I don't take it twice a day then I'm like you know it becomes like another thing to beat myself up with Mm -hmm, so it'd be cool mm -hmm. to just understand from you because your brand feels very holistic you know like when i go Mm -hmm. on your your channels it feels like a very inclusive brand it doesn't feel broish or it's not kind of you know like get ripped or anything um for anyone that's not not checked out the brand yet they definitely should um but like where did it come from and like why supplements and what's your kind of ethos
1: right so this is where i'm already kicking myself for getting too ahead of myself in the intro because i didn't mention that I, I used to be a professional swimmer and i i had a this is leading to 2014 Comoth games when i retired so this is now quite a few years ago and and back then supplements industry had, had well it's moved on a lot since then and okay. uh, you know 10 years ago it was still very much in that bro space like bodybuilding and only kind of targeting elite athletes and this kind of thing so it was very much like geared towards performance and, and, um, uh, you know, aesthetics and things like this. Uh, and I I thought that was very uh, narrow minded. And, and for me personally, frustrating, because, yeah, sure, I wanted to improve my performance, but I didn't want to damage my health, I didn't want to take, you know, I was eating super healthy, really good food and making very conscious and active effort to eating really healthily. And then the supplements were full of shit. So that was a bit, and very frustrating and counterintuitive to me yeah. the, the things that are actually there to help specifically my performance contain the ingredients that I'm trying to avoid in my whole, whole diet so that was just a bit crap so I, I had that really strong frustration from being an athlete and then uh, a few years afterwards uh, my business partner Charlie and I were discussing this and you know we, we realized that nobody was addressing this fact that we, what what was frustrating for me was I wanted to improve how I was performing, but also I wanted to improve my health. So those two things hand in hand were why we started motion. And then we kind of realized, well, it's one thing to focus on physical performance, but actually what unites everybody, whether you're an athlete or an artist or an entertainer or a regular person, a nine to five job. And you want to be able to do your job well, but also have that energy for socializing, exercising, looking after your family and so on. And then also be able to, you know, switch light off and sleep at night. What's probably more important is that we look after how we're performing mentally, because if you have a strong sort of emotional and mental stable core where you can handle all, all these things, all these stressors and externalities, then everything is going to work better. Uh, If you're smoothing off your peaks and troughs of cortisol, if you're able to uh, handle these, you know, distractions and um, notifications and pressure, Mm -hmm. social pressures and work pressures that we're all going through and also spending 12 hours a day in front of a screen or whatever, if you're able to handle these things better, then you're going to have more energy to do whatever else you want to do outside of work. And you're going to perform better in work and you're going to have better relationships because you're not going to have these crazy mood swings. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the essence now of motion is dealing with people's stress, sleep and energy. And if we're, if we cater for these things, everything else just declines off of that way better. Yeah. Uh, And so that's why we've really narrowed the focus there.
0: I guess it's, um, it's about the benefit presumably comes in repetition, right? It's not like an immediate benefit to your kind of system physically or mentally. It's kind of, you have to repeat taking it, right?
1: Yeah. So this is the thing when you try and create, you know, long-term healthy change, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, You know, with our, we have a sleep supplement called unplug, which it, for some people it'll kick off right from the first night, but for others it might take, four or six weeks to really get benefits and then they add up for like four to six months and that's when your sort of your new normal settles in and like Mm -hmm. you expect to have really good sleep every night um same thing for daytime energy we have a a supplement called power up which will help with mental performance and focus and memory and these kind of things and and mood um we don't have caffeine in there because first of all most people have enough caffeine in their diet and you know Mm -hmm. if you enjoy coffee then why would we take that away from you? There you go. You've got your cup of coffee. Why would we add caffeine into a supplement and take away your, your freedom to enjoy exactly how much coffee you like? It doesn't seem like uh, something that is a uh, helpful supplement. Um, so you're not going to have that instant you know, stimulant effect of caffeine. Just like an unplug, you're not going to have uh, a knockout effect of a sedative. Mm-hmm. it's it's things that will take a little bit longer to build and have a much more long-term helpful impact mm-hmm. so instead of stimulants and sedatives we're using ingredients and precursors that your brain can actually um, use as the building blocks for specific hormones uh, and and neurotransmitters for a better mood or better sleep or better
0: stress management it's interesting isn't it because i think that I don't know if if you would relate to this, but I think for a lot of guys and women, but guys in particular, if there's not a kind of immediate benefit to something, it's maybe not something that you invest your time, energy or money in. And, mm-hmm. you know, like for me to find that happy mental space um, through the last kind of months of craziness, that's required like therapy and antidepressants because I I allowed myself to get to a point where I was completely broken um, absolutely collapsed mentally i mean not physically um but I now have that question of like okay so that happens how do we now protect ourselves from that becoming like a repeat occurrence in your life so how mm-hmm. do you how do you create healthier habits and healthier routines and it's these kind of questions that for the audience amazing but also for me personally i'm like okay interesting like these kind of supplements over time can build like a new quote unquote new normal um, mm-hmm. for an individual. And that's that's the interesting thing, you know, like, are you putting a fire with kind of um, kind of intervention treatment or are you just making sure that the bush never gets set on fire in the first place?
1: Right. And you have to kind of bear like put this in mind and or put this in perspective of like how our lives have evolved over the last 50 or 100 years. You know, where, where our um, labor used to be physical labor. Today, it's all mental. Like our mental load is way heavier than it's ever been in the history of mankind. And our, our um, what we measure as our nutritional requirements is broadly based on physical labor, you know, the, the sort of uh, national um, nutritional reference values and things like this. Mm-hmm. But our brain burns 20% or more of our energy and our entire workday is based around mental load. So surprise, surprise! There is pretty much a global pan- epidemic of um, magnesium uh, deficiency. Really, and and this yeah, and this is because we're we're high stress, where our days are very very mentally loaded. We've got lots of stimulations coming through all the day, uh, all through the day, uh, and then you add things like caffeine, which burn more magnesium, um, uh, alcohol, which causes to burn more magnesium. And so, of course, we're not getting enough magnesium in our body. So that's the first thing that we do with our stress supplement hormone balance is, is pump a load of three different sources of magnesium just to make sure that you're you're catered for that. So we're, we're always taking a holistic approach. But, you know, some people would say things like, oh, we'll just reduce your decision making, you know, and, and create habits. And, and fine, that can be helpful. You know, you were talking about Mark Zuckerberg wearing he's wearing the same T-shirt every day. Maybe, maybe that's helpful. But some people say that there's about 30,000 decisions that our brain goes through every day, uh, most of them without realizing it. So removing one, like wearing the same clothes every day, or having the same lunch every day, or, you know, getting your meals delivered, uh, morning, lunch and dinner, those things might help, but they're only ever going to be marginal. What we really need is to make sure that we're actually equipped
0: to deal with what our modern lives are like. Yeah, I think as well is that, I don't don't know if this is an excuse or if it's if I'm right I don't know but I definitely find the whole decision fatigue thing is humble braggings may be the wrong thing I don't know telling somebody to like oh decision fatigue is like a big thing like you need to reduce your mental like load um so you should be making less decisions like the, the best people in the world do that feels like it's like okay well now I'm having to make a decision about what decisions <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> yeah. And the bit, you know, like you've the added, smartest, the...
0: I didn't worry yeah. about this shit. Like yeah, I wasn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't trying to work out which decisions are essential until you <laughs> fucking told me that apparently I make too many decisions and now I'm concerned. So like, motherfuck you. Thanks for that. Like <laughs> <laughs> but also that's just
1: just plain survivorship bias where somebody wildly successful has five personal assistants and you're like oh look that person makes way less decisions than me in a day that must be why they're successful no it's not <laughs> they yeah. have personal assistants because they've
0: been successful it's yeah. got nothing
1: to do with creating the success yeah it's
0: not cause it's effect like <laughs>
1: exactly exactly
0: yeah. um that's that interesting then. Well, I'm, I'm really excited to try your supplements. I'm definitely going to, um wanted to chat to you before I bought, we had a guy on um, the show called Toby, who also has just launched his first supplement that looks at like, it's more cosmetic, so it's hair, nails, skin. Um, mm-hmm. And I tried out his stuff. Those are gummies, which actually really worked for me because I'm lazy. So I find mm-hmm. that like, if I have to go fill up some water to take a pill, like I normally just don't take the pill, which is dumb, but mm-hmm. like it's, it's a decision, you know, like it's another thing I've got to decide. Um, but I'm excited to try yours. I'll, I'll pick some up online. I guess the the last thing that I wanted to chat to you about was the fact that you used to be a professional swimmer. And I don't know if the audience caught that, but at a, at a professional level, you know, like you were, you were, um, you were up there swinging. What was, that, what was that experience like? Is it something that you remember fondly? Is it a happy time in your life?
1: Yeah, it, it is, but I have to be careful not to have too much like um, hindsight bias and only remember the good times because that would be quite easy. Because you know, yeah. when you look back on a on a sporting career, the the hard the biggest memories tend to be like the really those really big moments of like achieving something really cool and being like incredibly happy about it. But equally, you know, there was years and years and years of getting up at five a.m. or four forty five a.m. and uh, you know sacrificing a huge amount of of you know, student life and and young life and so on. So that that was difficult. It was difficult to, well, the the, the decision to make the sacrifices is actually not so difficult because I tend to be the kind of person who makes that decision once and then, you know, kind of doesn't look back because that just makes your life a lot easier. But it's just very physically and mentally hard. Like, you, you know, pushing yourself to the extreme for four or five hours a day, six days a week, like pretty much every week of the year for years. (laughs) It's it's just very, very hard. That's the main thing. (laughs) (laughs) Really difficult. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, people say like, uh, oh, you know, things get easier, but not an elite sport because Mm. the bar keeps moving, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you don't just get to level and suddenly things become easy. That's not really how it works. I mean, you know, even... (laughs) even somebody who dominated the sport as much as Michael Phelps did would never say that he was, you know, he reached a point where he could take it easy. He was always trying, right. Never coasting, no, always trying to improve. So you're either trying to be a competitor or you're trying to beat yourself, your, you know, your, your old self. So it's never, you know, it's a bit like lifting weights. You you never sort of, the weight um, might start to feel easier, but then you just, Hand stand back up higher in the squat or, or yeah. put more weight on it's it's uh it's never actually the bar just keeps moving so so it's always very difficult but um equally i really really loved it like i loved um feeling like i was just so fit just like at the like prime of what I could possibly be in terms of like physical strength and Mm. and fitness and speed. Like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't number one in the world or anything like that, but uh, I was just what I could be at the, like my potential. I feel like I maxed out at it and that was Mm. just an awesome feeling.
0: Yeah. I I can, I can relate to, I, no, I can't relate to that at all. I can relate to the <laughs> desire for that. So I'm I'm trying to qualify as a personal trainer. Or I am qualifying as a personal trainer at the moment. So the the ambition being that with the um the running wear brand that I've just launched alongside yes. the kind of PTing, I want to build in the kind of mental health side of things and new nutrition and try and have this kind of lifestyle offering that I can that I can put out there. But the reason that a, I'm I'm doing that. And B, I want to do this series around just athletes and and people in the fitness industry. Uh, and I've said this a million times in the show, so people are probably sick of hearing it, but I just fucking love how binary fitness is. You know, that like you don't have to beat yourself up over failing to lift a rep or failing to run a certain speed or failing to to complete something. It's not about success or failure, it's about like I did or I did not. It's really binary. Like mm. Like when you do a workout or you, you kind of compete in something like you either have or have not accomplished what you set out to do. And in a world where, at least in my career, where it's just sheer ambiguity, you know, marketing Mm. is just shades of gray. There's no kind of, this is, this is how you market a product. There's no secret sauce. There's no silver bullet. It's just a case of like, you try things and you learn and you get it wrong. And that'll always be the case. I fucking love when I just put my headphones in an exercise and it's a case of like, okay, you did or didn't do the workout. Like it's it's really refreshing and it's that feeling of like being fit like you know just like like lowercase f like feeling fit at the end of a workout that's it is the best feeling you know it's that um it's that reward so i can totally get like i was feeling that when you were describing that feeling i was like oh man that must have been so boss like take out the the competition element just the personal satisfaction of like giving 100 percent to something yeah exactly you know this
1: week i um Played in the first uh, my first tennis tournament ever,
0: and it was like it,
1: it was no it way. was like ex- extremely extremely amateur. Like people, you know, the players there were not very good. Um,
0: okay, like Tim
1: Henman and people like that. Yeah, right. But like, I was fucking terrified. <laughs> Why? You because like, because it's just because it's entirely new. Like, yeah. and I was just completely out of my comfort zone. You know, it's like, you know, wh-
0: where do you, where do you put your bag? Like, where do you, what do you bring? Yeah, <laughs> that is the worst bit. And it's, it's so true. Like, if you ever go to, um, I've just, I've moved back from London to Scotland last year. I can remember, say you went to like um, like Barry's or Cobox or whatever. The biggest hurdle to going to a new class was going to the first session, which I think is probably indicative of and most are, things. And people in those spaces are so cliquey, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's and like it's you shit, have like, to conform. Yeah, where do you put your bag? Like, what's the what's the etiquette in the locker room? Of like, <laughs> You leave it in the locker, do you take it with you? Yeah, you what the, the fuck's towel? the deal? Like, somebody <laughs> send me a pamphlet beforehand. No, you're so right. That's so, like, that's so insightful in terms but of, But it's like always doing, the yeah.
1: silliest things, right? And I feel like they're so silly that most people would never dare even mention them, but we're all mm-hmm. we're
0: all stood there going, like, fuck,
1: did I take the bag in the wrong place?
0: Yeah, literally. <laughs> and then you can see when someone else is new, because, like, once you know that, obviously, you don't take your bag into the room, you see someone else and you have that thing of, like, oh, it must be their first session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't know the the unwritten rules, the tacit agreement we all made to exactly. leave our water bottles in that corner of the room. But yeah. Yeah. Oh man! But it was awesome. Like getting, you know, doing that thing, like compete out of my comfort zone, was really cool. Uh, it's uncomfortable. Like I think that's such a cliche, isn't it? But like any kind of growth, any kind of success, like is an uncomfortable process. Change is an uncomfortable process, but it's essential. Okay, buddy. Before you go, I'm going to ask you a really cheesy question, which I try to remember to ask all guests. Which I used to call Cliche Corner. If you could give, um, if you could give, like your younger self at Stirling Uni, competing in swimming, any advice that you know now? You know, like what are you what are you sending back in the time capsule?
1: Okay, I hear you, but
0: um, I would think of this question differently uh, because...
1: Well, I, it's not I, your show. No no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 reframe how you want. <laughs> okay, I, I'm just going to reframe slightly and say I'm not telling this to myself because I don't like the idea of that hindsight and kind of, kind of like worrying about maybe I did things not optimally and, you know, because mm-hmm. that leads to regret very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I tend to you know when it's you know i was talking about like making that decision of committing to swimming and then you know now in business it's like you you have so many ideas it's very difficult to kind of know which one to focus on and really commit to because Mm. time and energy is limited so i feel like i'm quite good at that what makes me good at that is is then once the decision is made not worrying about it and so if i kind of project myself back in time and go oh maybe i didn't make the right decision that's going to fuck me up for my future decisions and i'm going to think way overthink it and mm-hmm. it's going to remove my ability to make decisions easily so what i'd say is um i i feel much more comfortable giving advice based on my experience to younger people <laughs> right <I'm, okay. laughs> but not my not, not my old self and and to younger people i would say whether it's in sports or business or pretty much any endeavor that you want to get into um speak to people just op- and open up like okay. be vulnerable with people because not many people are able to do this but if you're vulnerable with somebody and you open up just in the slightest it's amazing what happens downstream from this mm. they'll then go whoa this person is being vulnerable with me I can really let loose and you know open up with them and then you have you establish relationships with people that there's no other ways to do this mm. and that person will remember you and you perhaps a couple of years down the line, that you'll be the person they'll call when a big opportunity comes up mm-hmm. for whatever it might be. But being vulnerable and open and speaking to people is what triggers these downstream effects and this networking effect.
0: So I love that. Speak to people, be open. Bloody man. Okay, hey, Joe, thanks so much for your time today on the show. It's been a real pleasure having you on. And um, yeah, looking forward to trying the product.
1: Yeah, well, you know, one thing we, that we try and do is Keep things simple. So you know you were talking about adding too many complications. We I know how loaded people's days are, so we try and keep things very simple in, in the offering that we have and hopefully if that makes a big difference. Too.
0: Thanks so much man. That's working.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me.